You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme. Well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes. And please be drunk when you hear it. It's a drunk podcast. I can rim like a motherfucker. You already saw my Sullivan in San Diego. He got a golden shower. Bundy just fucking cream pied Albano. I've been drunk. I've never been cum drunk. Woo! What's up, Drunk Marks and Drunk Marquettes? Welcome to Drunk Wrestling History. I'm Adam, your designated host, and as of this recording, I have been to an AEW show unlike the drunk wrestling historians and i hate you because i'm very jealous and this is eddie let us drink till thine asses are drunk and this is scott what if you can lose if you must but always drink adam i still love you it's okay you know what you might have gone to an AEW. uh uh what was it it wasn't dynamite it was rampage, rampage. you might have gone to rampage but i went to a tna house show in bakersfield once <laughs> wow yeah so suck it Oh, it's on. <laughs> I don't even know how this compares. <laughs> really, dude. What did you see? Kennedy and Kurt Angle in the main event? I think Kurt Angle was in the main event. I don't remember who he wrestled. I could look it up. Um, the Dudleys were on it. I remember that. Xavier was on it, who I forgot about him, and it was so many years before I saw him as Xavier didn't realize that I had seen him. It's probably you know what I mean? Because still consequences, he was, cream. yeah, consequences, cream. right? And there was such a gap between me watching Impact and him showing up in NXT that I didn't even realize it was the same guy. That was um, in 2008, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, dude. You know what? You saw that show in Bakersfield. I saw it at the convention center in Anaheim. Right, right. The day before, I think I saw. Yeah, it on, I was I, there at a wedding, and uh, the groom and I just were like, "Dude, Impact's in town. Let's fucking go!" So we went to Impact, uh, took a picture in the middle of the ring with Kurt Angle after the main event. That's quite a groom. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> what did the bride do? <laughs> she was banging some other dude. Oh, Jesus. Or <laughs> <laughs> her nerd-ass husband was at fucking <laughs> Impact. She's like, he has horrible taste. I'm not oh fucking going to bang this guy for the rest of my life. I hope Got to get list- some side action in. I hope he's listening to this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh. No, dude, that's the funny part. Like, I don't think she did anything that night. Maybe, like, they went bar hopping or something. But, yeah, we went to a fucking Impact show. That's great. That was the night I racked my nuts on the second rope getting into the ring to meet Kernangle. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. Worst pain ever. <laughs> I'm you very botch, short. You botched getting in the ring. I'm, what are you, Ahmed yeah, Johnson? Yeah, photo op. I, I'm sure Kurt Angle's broken freaking neck would say otherwise. But, yeah. you know, you know, worst pain ever to your testicles. Yeah, I broke my freaking <laughs> neck. All you did was rack your nuts. <laughs> Get over it, pussy. <laughs> Shit. Please head over to whatamaneuver.net. Get those Drunk Wrestling History t-shirts, tank tops, onesies, and uh, sweatshirts with the Drunk Wrestling History logo. Tank tops if you want to show those pythons out because uh, it's summer. Or hoodies if you are spending the summer in San Francisco. Head over to whatamaneuver.net. Buy a fucking shirt. Buy some fucking merch. Yeah, if you're in San Francisco in the summer, you need a hoodie and you need an Irish coffee somewhere to warm yourself up because it gets cold over there it, it august is colder than january in that city 
It's so weird. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it because it's like a hot day. You just go over there. You're like, cool. It's 40 degrees cooler than any place else. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we are doing a pay-per-view episode. Alcohol definitely makes uh, these uh, a lot of fun. What do you guys have to drink? I'm drinking a uh, Cazador's Reposado. I'm on my first glass. I picked up a half pint. Um, I was thinking I was going to get through this bottle during this episode, but now I'm not sure. So this might be all I drink for the night, but Cazador's Reposado, tequila. And I am back to the usual blackened and water. Thank you, Metallica. I've got my favorite beer in the world, A&W Root. Root. Delicious. And let's just jump into this. We are taking this episode back to the year of our Lord, 1986, taking place simultaneously at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, NWA and Jim Crockett presents Starcade 86, Night of the Skywalkers. I bet you threw people, Adam, when you said simultaneously, people were thinking, oh, they're doing WrestleMania 2. No, See, we're just doing the NWA seven months later. I didn't realize that it was a, a two arena thing like that until I started watching it because I didn't. I, w- I went to this uh, pay-per-view totally cold. I didn't read any of the results because I was looking, I, was, I kind of started doing the homework a little. We decided on this episode really quickly before I started watching it. So I try not to, I don't want to know what happens in it when I watch it. So if I read this stuff before like a week, I'll forget who wins every match anyway. But like you said, uh, when I once I have uh, <laughs> Alzheimer's, it's going to be a great time. <laughs> um, It'll be brand new. You'll love it. Yeah, so I didn't read part. it going into it. And I had no idea it was in two arenas until it kind of they tossed to the second arena, which just really threw me off. I was like, wait, what's going on? I was so confused. Yeah, it was the sake of just doing the same thing WWF did six or seven months earlier, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, we could do that. Yeah, we could totally do this, we, guys. We can get a satellite. <laughs> Have you seen our openers? They're incredible. <laughs> we can fucking do that. Uh, yeah, well, okay, I, I have something interesting about the Omni in Atlanta, but since you mentioned the openers, let's get into that first. The opener to this is fucking amazing, dude. <laughs> That's the, one word for it. The arena is completely dark, <laughs> and there's like they're flashing ring lights. It, the ring is lit up at first, but then the ring lights go off, so it's like an establishing shot where you can see that there is a ring. Then they turn the lights off, and then there's like I guess they have laser pointers that they're just streaking across something up there. I don't even know what it is. If it's the big screens or what, but you just <laughs> they see pr- lasers. They pretty much set up those giant uh, projection screens just for a cumulative what ninety seconds yes. of laser. <laughs> Well, of lasers. Well, no, I assume if you're in the other arena, if you're in the arena that doesn't have a match, you're seeing the other arenas match on those screens. Yeah, just that's like how they WrestleMania did WrestleMania 2. Right, yeah. that's how they did it too. So it was like a closed circuit type thing, but they, but still uh-huh. it was hilarious that while the lights are off and there's nothing on the screen, they're just flashing lasers at it and that's their special effects. Yeah, flashing them on a projection screen. Just like Adam said, it's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, and then there's like a lasery Starcade logo and then the music is incredible. <laughs> it's like the music is like, I think it's Van Hammer playing the music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guitar was so good. I thought it was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, oh, yeah, I thought it was Dawkin at first. <laughs> but then I was like, nah, that's definitely Van Hammer. <laughs> so I was like, this is Ingve. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing I had about the Omni is this is so Crockett had kind of recently acquired Georgia. Right. So this is a really interesting pay-per-view, I thought, because it's you're sort of seeing 
it's kind of a snapshot of what's going on at different territories at this time. So because Georgia was run, you know, as its own territory, Vince bought it in 84. That was the Black Tuesday situation. Okay. That, you know, one day we're going to do an episode on that because that was wild shit. He had it totally sank the fucking ratings. He took the TV channel, took the TV slot, put his own guys on there. It was a fucking bomb. Turner hated it. He ended up selling the TV slot to Crockett, and that was part of how he paid, um, financed the first WrestleMania. So it's actually like a year ago, Crockett wouldn't have been doing the Omni because that would have been Georgia's territory. Got it. So this is, you're watching Crockett expand, you know, like in, in this pay-per-view. It's actually pretty cool. So, and there, there are a few other things that come up like that. Thank you. A true wrestling historian, cool. ladies and gentlemen. There you go. They played the national anthem. But before that, they played like Cam Patera's music. Have... <laughs> it's like some weird non-national anthem song, oh, yeah. right? It's like that the Olympics like, music. What, two, that was like a two-minute lead-in or something. Right, it was like an intro into... to the national anthem. Dude, what was the what, what the fuck was with the shaky cam? It was like Catherine Hepburn was the, on the fucking cams all night. <laughs> like, God damn, settle down. I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah, you're right. I think it might have been the fans rocking the seats or something. Like, maybe they just, I don't know. Well, they had the cameras set up weird, too, because they had two hard cameras, but they were about 45 degrees apart. Yeah. Which was really, it just was like, um, like uh, it would kind of throw you off when you're when they switch from camera to camera. It would kind of mess you up, you know? You get, like, yeah. disoriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really weird. Yeah. Also, before we get into the first match, they toss to Atlanta, and I just want to say Tony, um, uh, Tony Schiavone's mustache is as awesome as that Van Hammer song was. You thought Magnum P.I. had a good mustache. Right. Oh yeah, no, he's nothing, got nothing on, on Tony, Tony. Skiavones. Yeah, right. It's it was marvelous. Oh, I want amazing. So I want to say this is the earliest footage that I've now seen of Tony Skiavone. What the hell is in the water that he drinks? He looks like he's only aged like five years today. <laughs> That's true. He does look good. He does. Yeah, good genes, dude. Oh my good god. Genes. Yeah, I mean, this is thirty-five years ago. Whatever it is, thirty-six years ago. Thirty-six years ago. Yeah, he yeah. does. He does look good. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Well done, Tony, if you're listening. <laughs> and and he has a great dentist with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. <laughs> Our opening match is a tag team match. Tim Horner and Nelson Royal versus Rocky and Don Cronodal. Cronodal. I would have changed my name if it was Cronodal. Horrible last name. It's like the worst last name. I- I, hopefully nobody named Carnotal is listening to this, but that's a bad last name, man. Well, in wrestling, you should change that to something else. Definitely in wrestling, but I'm saying it just in life. Oh, <laughs> no offense to the Carnotals family if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, but that name should not have been carried forward into a wrestling ring. Like, just, just shorten it to K if you have to. Or Kern. Or well, there was already a Kern. See. Well, okay, but yeah, but there was um there was someone else Coodle. on but there was someone else on the well, show with the same Coodle. name. I forget who it is, but we'll get to it. But I mean, people have the same name sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even Nodal. Oh, oh, um, uh, Garvin. There were two Garvins on the show. Uh, yes. And did you know one is actually the father-in-law of the other? Uh, I did know that. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. In I, in the storyline on TV, they were brothers. I also know that one of them is cool. But you're not going to tell us which one. We'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> yeah, it'll be pretty obvious when we get to their matches. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Don hits a power slam, and that ring has got a lot of bounce in it. This is the Greensboro ring. I really enjoyed the opener to this. 
It was a good match. I liked it. It was solid tag team wrestling. And, mm-hmm. man, you look back at these 80s matches, and that was one thing they almost all had going for them was solid tag team wrestling. Even these openers with, I mean, really just kind of four jobbers in the ring. Outstanding tag team wrestling. Like, I would rather watch this than pretty much any tag team match today. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see a lot of typical tag, tag team psychology to it, but it was just a lot of cool spots. Everything it sort of reminded me of current tag team wrestling but um, made more sense. They didn't do anything stupid like a lot right. of teams Maybe do not now. as fancy or resourceful with the moves. Just yeah. be tough. Right, right. Yeah, it was good. It was it was fast-paced. Um, I liked it a lot. It was really cool. Yeah, the moves were crisp. Uh, you could kind of tell looking at the four guys in this match who they were kind of wanting to push mm-hmm. and get to that next level. And he was the guy that ended up getting the winning pin. Yeah, he reversed a um, like a roll up. What's that called when you push this dude forward into the ropes and then you drop back to your back and roll? Uh, What's that pin called? Uh, that's not a schoolboy. It's a. Um... It's similar to a schoolboy. You almost pin him the same way, but you end up your ass. You're like you're kind of like docking the way you pin him. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way your uh, cock and balls are positioned to one another's. If I was ever going to dock, that's probably the position I would take <laughs> with the dude's shoulders on the mat. Right, right, right. Or I would be, you know, a, a bottom or a top. I'm not picking. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Whatever. It's kind of, well, it's like the jackhammer, but the porn version of jackhammer. It's kind of the same position. Right, I'm like, Pete Dunn, whatever you want. Just let's go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what to do, Daddy. <laughs> but uh, one of the Horners reverses that move. Yeah, Tim Horner reverses Tim Horner. it. And uh, yeah, that's... That's pretty much game over. Tim Horner gets the big win in the opener at Starcade 86, which yeah. was essentially their WrestleMania, by the way. Yes. Let's point right. that out. This is which, their version of WrestleMania. And this preceded WrestleMania by two years or so. I want to say 83 was the first one. Yes, it was in 1983. That was uh, Harley and Rick in the Cage. Rick in the Cage, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed about this, the ring itself, besides that it has so much uh, spring, the ropes make a weird noise whenever they hit the ropes. It sounds like the ropes I, are made of Doritos. <laughs> Very crunchy. Yeah, it's like a crunchy sound. I was going to say made of the leftover wrappers that Scott had from Taco Bell. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, right, right. But yeah, that was very weird. But later in the show, it cut out. So maybe they either cleared them out or they they got broken in. They probably turned off a mic. Oh, that could be. And Adam, for the record, there are no wrappers left over when I finish Taco Bell. I eat that shit for roughage. You know, clear the decks for the next batch of Taco Bell. For, forgive you, me. You wipe with uh, it an hour later. <laughs> <laughs> that cardboard Mexican pizza box, though, man, that's a motherfucker. Chase like nobody's business. And you don't want to flush it. Right. <laughs> Tim Horner with the win. Our next match is uh, Brad Armstrong versus Jimmy Garvin with Precious. I just want to point out the connection between this match and the previous is that Brad Armstrong from this match and Tim Horner from the previous went on to form a tag team called the Lightning Express shortly after this pay-per-view. <laughs> Stupid ass name. The Lightning Express? Yeah, it's not a good name. I'm not big on Express in general, you know. Well, the NWA clearly loved Express. They're yeah. like fucking throw anything in front of that shit. Yeah, Express is just kind of silly, but um Lightning Express, please. For the record, there was a Taco Bell Express at one point. There's still one. Oh, really? I didn't know they were around anymore. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think it's still there. I don't Excellent. know. Excellent. I should go. I mean, it was last time I drove, or last time I noticed. It's right next to the men's big and tall, which is appropriate. Wow. Okay. 
<laughs> it should just be men's big. Yeah. I, I want to... <laughs> I want to say in San Diego, which of course is German for a whale's vagina, yeah, I've packed. seen an IHOP Express. Oh. Which, wow. why would you make that Express? But hey, if it's still open, mazel to them. Okay, so if you want to eat your pancakes in the car, like you with fried chicken. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So IHOP Express and Taco Bell Express brought to you by the NWA. <laughs> um, so another thing to get into the uh, territories. Um, Armstrong was a Georgia guy until Vince bought it. And then he ended up going to Southeastern, which got renamed Continental. Continental tried to expand. Because um, this is like, Vince wasn't the only guy trying to expand. Crockett was, you know, obviously. Watts tried to. And Continental also tried to expand. It didn't work. But they did get a TV deal in 88. Do you know what network it was on? Oh, man. Well, it clearly wasn't TBS. No, no. It was like the furthest thing you would ever think. I was just like, you would never guess it. I was just wondering if you'd ever heard it. PBS. The Financial News Network. <laughs> Whoa, what the, the hell, fuck, Yeah, dude? Continental had a TV deal for about a year or so, uh, maybe a little longer than that, on the Financial News Network. Wow. Yeah, and then that just wasn't going anywhere. I don't think it had gone out of business yet, but it wasn't going anywhere. So that's why Armstrong jumped over to work with Crockett, but he was originally a Georgia guy. That so. worked out pretty well for him. He had a good long career in the NWA. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. Solid wrestler too, man. You could see it in this match. They clearly had high hopes for him. Mm-hmm. And Tim Horner, obviously, too. And then they're like, hey, we have high hopes for both these young kids. Let's just slap them together and put them in an express tag team. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah, like you said, it worked out well. Um, the referee has a skull at like Hogan. What was his name? Slappy uh, or Skippy Spanky? or Scrappy McGowan? Scrappy, Scrappy, thank you. Scrappy McGowan. I, I put it in my notes. He is Diet Hulk Hogan, <laughs> <laughs> or He Man Light. He Man Light. Oh, the, I like that one. <laughs> um, and then I was looking at Precious, and I was like, if you told someone to draw a picture of 1986, it would look like Precious. Yeah, dude. <laughs> she is the yeah. most 80s thing I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah. amazing. I love it. <laughs> Um, yes, but I love actually one of my favorite parts of this whole show is the start of this match. I love the start of this match. So I know nothing going into this as far as angles, but these guys are just going after each other. As soon as the bell rings, they're throwing punches. They're pushing each other into the corner. They're doing the move where like a guy will go for a move and miss it or it'll get blocked kind of like guys do now, but it's not fancy stuff. It doesn't look like a dance routine. I'm looking at you, Will Ospreay. It looks like two guys in a street fight. It was so cool, and I was like, okay, I don't know what the angle is behind this, but I know these guys hate each other and want to kill each other. Jimmy Garvin was a fucking star, dude. He really was. He was so good, dude. He was so good, and he had a great run in world class before this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Feuded with the Von Erichs, and if you're feuding with the Von Erich, you're at the very tip top of the card in world class. Came over to NWA in this match. You, You could just see the way he was working the crowd. He had the, you know, I guess the 80s hot chick in Precious at ringside. Mm-hmm. Like, he had everything going for him. He was just, he was amazing. He was so good. He was. He was great. Yeah, I mean, like, he... Do, this is a guy who knew how to get heat. Oh, totally. He's shitting on the crowd. He's talking crap to them. It was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um. So, they start out with this... They have this great start, but then they pretty quickly go into just hold, hold, hold. Yeah, kind of a rest hold situation almost. Yeah, kind of like I was like, dude, did they burn themselves out that fast? <laughs> it, Maybe. And, then and before, I'm sure it was nerves, too. Well, I don't think it was because, like, kind of of not long after I noticed that this is what happened in the match, we get an announcement that they're 10 minutes in, and I was like, I think they're stalling to go to a time limit draw. 
Oh, gotcha. Okay. Because it's pretty yeah. rare. You typically don't hear those. I mean, I guess you'll hear the 10 minute announcement and it could end at 12 minutes. But when you see a match that's slow, yeah. You know, it was kind of a dead giveaway. And I was like, they're okay. stalling. Yeah. Yeah, they're stalling. Um, so not a lot happens mid-match, but it picks up at the end. Um, yeah, like the last four minutes are insane. The last four minutes are great. Yeah, um, Br- uh, Brad Armstrong gets tossed out, and then they end up going to a double down at two minutes. And basically the finish, gets, it's just like back and forth, back and forth. You don't know. You're like, maybe someone's going to win. You know, it kind of, I know it's going to a draw, but now I'm not sure. The right, way it picks right. Up. Somebody could steal one with like 30 seconds left or to- 10 seconds left. Totally, because they start going for pins, you know, and it's like right. nobody's going to get hit with a finisher probably, but there's definitely a possible of a quick roll-up situation. Right. Um, the bell rings right as Garvin misses a splash. Weird finish, because normally with these NWA photo finish time limit expirations, mm-hmm. it was somebody had somebody in a, uh, like a submission hold, and the other yeah. person was just about to give up, or the referee hits two, and time expires. This one, it was just Jimmy Garvin was going for a splash and the bell rang. Right, but really I like weird. that. I like that because it didn't feel fake. You know what I mean? It felt it real. Feel fake. Like that's yeah. how, or I mean, that's how, like, if a UFC match goes the, goes the distance, it doesn't end that way. You know? Right. Or right. a boxing match doesn't end with a guy getting, you know, bludgeoned like the way Rocky Balboa would do to someone. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, Get ready for that wind up KO. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, no, you can't throw it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it goes to a time limit draw, and um, then there's a brawl after the match, which turns out to be like a theme on this pay per view. I don't. Oh, dude, yeah. I don't know why, but this is the first of many. Yeah, nearly every match. Yeah, you're right. It, it did definitely become a theme, but you could tell, like going into this match, when you see, okay, gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, we all know him, WWE Hall of Famer, versus Brad Armstrong, you're thinking, ten minutes tops. Garvin right. Gets the win with a brainbuster. His finish. Take it home, no problem. Mm-hmm. But this one went to a time limit draw, and you're like, okay, they obviously, as you mentioned, Brad Armstrong, new to the promotion, they obviously had big plans for him. Yeah, right. And if they're going to protected a- both guys with the finish. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, and it, you know what? If they're going to do a draw, first of all, I think this is the wrong spot on the card for a draw. It's too early in the show. Agree. And yes. especially being the first one in that arena. But um, right, it could have had a ten minute time limit. <laughs> I know that wasn't the thing. I know it was always five minute or 15 minute time limits, but the match did felt drawn out, you know, or maybe they could have done a little more in the middle of the match. Or you flip the second match with, you know, which we just talked about with the next match we're about to talk about. Uh, really quick. My only other note on this is uh, wondering if this was the match where both guys were vying to be leaders of Jungle Boy's tribe. <laughs> What? That's all. <laughs> Why? Because they all had the same hair. Oh, because the same hair. They look like they look like the dad of Jungle Boy and <laughs> maybe the jealous brother who says, "I need to be the leader of this tribe." <laughs> My so hair's he, prettier, so that he can grow up and be dominant as Luchasaurus. I don't know. Okay. Next match is a special <laughs> grudge match. It's really all that I could see. I was just so distracted. <laughs> there was so much beautiful hair in this match. Also, I do want to point out, Adam, yeah. as a wrestling figure fan, the very first female wrestling figure ever was Precious. That's just a, really? a drunk drunk wrestling figure Ooh. fact right there. Good to know. There you go. All of you uh, Fig Life followers, uh, that's uh, food for you. Uh, we have a special grudge match. Shaska Wheatley and the Barbarian versus Baron Bonrashki and Hector Guerrero. 
announced what? by the the ring announcer as the very popular Hector Guerrero. <laughs> yeah, he's very popular. Yeah, they, he told um, the crowd this. He's very popular, ladies and gentlemen. It's Watley, right? Shaska Watley? Watley, yes. Oh. Um, so when I, I saw mistyped. when I okay. saw the teams in this match, my first note was, what? <laughs> dude. What okay. the fuck? Do you know how old Baron Von Raschke is today? Just, dude, I was just going to ask you that. I do know how old he is. So, Adam, Scott and I know how old he is. How old do you think Baron is? Fuck. This was literally the first thing I looked up when I saw him in the ring. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have so many questions. Uh, Wild guess. How old he is today? Oh, today. Well, no, yeah, no. Today. Guess, no, guess how old he is there because... Oh. I think... Okay, then I... 42. I don't know. Oh, you're not far off. See, Adam's younger than us, so he thinks people look older. You know what I mean? Remember when you're like 20 and you're like, damn, dude, 40's so old? Yeah. That's, that's why Adam thinks Baron is 42. Baron was 45 in this match. Oh, he looks like he's 75. I was going to say, today, Baron Von Rasky is 81 years old and still alive, for those mm -hmm. of you that don't know. Yeah. Dude, Baron Von Rasky looked 86 in this match. And he's, he's 81 today, right now. Yeah. He, always, he never, that's a guy who never looked young. No. No, but bless his heart, dude. That guy is still alive and kicking. Yeah. Doing signings, living his best life, man. But in yeah. this match so in 1986, we, so holy So we've got shit. Tony Schiavone, proper trajectory Benjamin Button syndrome. <laughs> and then this guy, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, who was born at 30. <laughs> um. So I had some notes about Baron because this is another guy, like I was saying, like this show really kind of as a snapshot of what was going on with the territories. So he was mostly known as an AWA guy, right? I think that's what he, you Baron he was wasn't, for, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, he had like the most, the you know, the biggest parts of his career were there. He correct. did do a run in WWE in the 70s and um, he lost to Bruno in 1977 in the Garden, which was Bruno's last successful title defense before losing to superstar Billy Graham. Oh. Um, so he was an AWA guy, and this is what AWA was in trouble at this point, right? Because this is 86. Like, the Rockers are about to come in and kind of pick things up, and Hogan's gone. Yes, yes. Um, Ganya is just, like, 100 years old, which he was always a guy who could who could uh, pop a uh, show, you know, get, a, get a, sell a lot of tickets. Yep. Nobody gave a fuck about Greg. And no, Je no. Je Jesse's gone. Mean Gene's gone. Um, uh, Dr. D is gone. So yeah. it's a it's a territory that was struggling, and Baron was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." He split. So yeah, yeah that was just another one of those little things. Um, also, drunk fact: I did not know this, so I looked him up. He managed the Barbarian of the Warlord in '88 in WWE for a minute. I don't that remember is that correct. at all. Was their that a SummerSlam match? He was their manager. No shit, SummerSlam '88. Yeah, the Baron. Oh, I don't remember that at all. We got to We got to Um, that's the one. Didn't um, stupid. Uh, Billy Graham do commentary on that show I think so yeah well because once he got his hip went out dude oh, that pretty much was it like he had mm -hmm. to do commentary and yeah he'd get on the stick or whatever with Gorilla but he wasn't very good I didn't know he was terrible he was terrible yeah but Baron Von Rasky was the Baron and he was the manager of the uh, Powers of Pain when they were a face team damn okay I don't even remember that but it's been years since yep. I've watched that we got a dude that's maybe the next WWE pay-per-view we do Maybe, because I think 88, that was uh, Brain Busters and Heart Foundation on that car, too. I think so. And it would have been the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Elizabeth. Right. 
All right. All right. Um, so Hector's music um, sounds like my backyard. Because <laughs> 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 my neighbors are always playing mariachi music on the weekend. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I actually really like it when I hang out back there. Um, what is Shaska Watley's gimmick? Dude, I don't remember. He's, I mean, what? Uh, he's in a bow tie and top hat and a jacket. He's like an 1890s dandy. Yeah. I, to be honest, I don't really remember Shaska Watley all that mm-hmm. much. When I was, he was pretty much a jobber when I was watching. And I, I don't remember what his gimmick was. I don't remember that he was feuding with anybody in particular. I just, I don't remember a lot about this guy. I honestly thought it was Iceman Parsons at first. He, I did too. I did too. And then I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. He never changed his name. So that's clearly not Iceman. But yeah, yeah I, dude, I don't remember much about this guy at all. I don't remember what his gimmick was. Yeah. I just, obviously from this match, he was a heal and that's all I got. He worked as Pez Watley um, too. I actually knew him yes. more as Pez Watley because I was like, wait, is Pez Watley, is, is Shaska Watley Pez Watley? But see, and was actually, he a face as Pez? And then like I, he went heel and became Shaska Watley? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, well... Quite a career he had, huh? Nobody remembers anything about him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what right. he does now. Right. Um, but yeah, Barbarian, like, you look at all the guys in this match, and you look at Barbarian, you're like, oh, holy shit, dude. Barbarian's going to kill everyone. He's going to kill everybody, including his own partner and his manager. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he does a great spot where he charges at, um, I think it was at Hector, when Hector's at the ropes, and he goes over the top, but he goes over hard, dude. He doesn't do that thing like guys do all the time where they put their hand on the apron and do the flip out right. of the ring. kind of catch themselves, yeah. Right, he flew right out of that fucking ring. 100 miles an hour, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's like really good young barbarian too. Right, but you could see that he was green because he did a couple things. He um, choked one of the guys in the corner and he was like, he barely even was touching the guy's neck. Right. You know, he was, he was choking his collarbone. Right. And then at one point, I, I noticed he shot. I don't know if you noticed it. It was, I'm, and I'm being really nitpicky, but he shot Hector off into the ropes and just, it was like the shittiest, you know, he barely pushed him, you know, kind of like by the back of his neck, sort of. Right. So you can kind of see, you can see that he was green. He was still but, green, but he had a great fucking look, dude. Great look. Yeah. Great gimmick. Right. And good enough in the ring to get by to be on this pay per view. Yeah. And no surprise that he ended up working for Vince, what, a year and a half later? About that, yeah. They had a uh, he he basically formed the tag team with Warlord in the NWA. They were the Powers of Pain. Had a short feud with the Road Warriors, and then boom, Vince scooped them right up. Yeah, yeah. So you get Hector and Watley in the ring. They're working each other over. Um, Hector spits on Watley, which is not your typical babyface move. It's not a babyface hmm. move at all. Um, and then um, he makes a diving tag to Rashki. Watley looks at Rashki like Andre just got tagged in. <laughs> like he's terrified of this old fuck. <laughs> and like, have you ever seen someone look less like an athlete? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, Rob Bartlett. <laughs> I, who? You don't remember Rob Bartlett? No, who's Rob Bartlett? The original uh, play-by-play or announcer guy on Monday Night Raw. Oh Jesus Christ! How do you remember his name? Do you have Dude. a figure? Do you have his figure? No, they never made a figure of him. Oh. Although the great Nate Paro just did make a figure of him. Who? But that's beside the point. The ring skirts guy. He did that whole Manhattan oh, okay. Center project. Yeah. And he had a right, custom right, right. figure of it. Yeah. You asked if I had ever seen anybody more out of shape. After Rob Bartlett, it's me. <laughs> no, I think I'm between the two of you. I think I'm in a little worse shape than you. But I've been hitting uh, that bike but, this week. Yeah, good for you, dude. Let's go on a run. 
See who dies first. <laughs> um, the match goes crazy. Watley misses Rashi in the corner and he hits the turnbuckle. Um, he takes an elbow drop from Rashi and loses to an elbow drop from Baron Von To Rashke. an elbow drop. Yeah, a standing elbow drop, not flying. Standing elbow drop. Standing elbow, an elbow drop. And as bad of a finish as that is, I expected the Barbarian to lose to the claw. So I'm perfectly satisfied with that finish. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. That'll and then the heels work. beat up Rashki. And yeah, that's, another post-match beatdown. And that's two out of three. <laughs> that's all I want to talk about that. And that's it. That's all I got to say. Next match is the Kansas Jayhawks. Not to be confused with any colleges. Yeah, not the college, Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. That's a college, what, na- like a team? Aren't they the national champions right now? I believe that they are, yeah. I yeah, the University it, yeah. of Kansas, their their mascot is the Jayhawk. So their their basketball team, their men's basketball team that competes in the 64-man tournament, or the 64-team tournament, is the Kansas Jayhawks. And as Adam said, they won. I believe they're the national champions, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unlike their wrestling counterparts, they're winners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're considerably more successful. <laughs> Way more successful, yes. Um, the, Jayhawks, the Jayhawks look ridiculous in those satin jackets. <laughs> oh, uh, taking on uh, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. They're the champions. Yeah, so they just look fucking asinine. But, dude, those satin jackets... The- that's Those what I'm talking about. Those were the 80s. Well, the before of uh, Caden Murdoch. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that was a very 80s thing. I have yeah. a satin ZZ Top jacket from the 80s. Oh, excellent. I have it, an Ultimate Wire one. <laughs> it just didn't work on these two clowns. No, no, no. no. They yeah. just Bad look. Like, Bobby Jaggers looked like the lead singer of the Oak Ridge Boys or some shit. Like, he did not, <laughs> he did not look like a wrestler. And, of course, Dutch Mantell, years before he was with Cesaro and Swagger. Well, Dutch but, Mantell... Um, well, before getting to him, Khrushchev looks like Luke Gallows. Right? When I saw I thought him, I he like, looked a Luke lot Ga- like Smash. <laughs> well, his face looks like Smash, but his his build, he's, yeah. he's a big tall dude, and he wears the same gear as yeah. Luke Gallows. Yeah, Like the right. long pants and the singlet. But the singlet yeah, Dutch, yeah, Dutch Mantel, let's get into him, because this guy is a sight to see. Um, <laughs> Dutch Mantel- He looks like he belonged in Los Periquas. <laughs> one hairy motherfucker dude oh my god dude he's as hairy as anyone I've ever seen and I can only imagine <laughs> we're how- talking Robin Williams sweatshirt right right he looks like he's in a sweater when he's got a shirt off yeah he's like George right. the Animal uh, he's yeah. like George the Animal if George let himself go <laughs> and, I mean, and I'm looking at him and I can only imagine how hairy his balls are oh, and dude. it's too bad that back in 86 they didn't have Manscaped word and that's right we're <laughs> talking about Manscaped and the Lawnmower 4.0. Fucking and I'm not going to talk about my balls this time. I'm just going to talk about Dutch Mantel and his balls and how bad they probably looked. But they would have looked a lot better with Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code DRUNKWRESTLING at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million fucking balls. And how much do you guys love Manscaped? I love it as much as Manscaped loves my nuts. <laughs> Super smooth. The trimmer has a light. You love Way that light. Way better than all my other trimmers. Do I love that fucking light. Mm-hmm. I never knew I needed one on a trimmer until I had one. Love them. Right. Love Manscaped products. I swear by them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Also, if memory serves me right, ceramic blades, so when it's running, it doesn't heat up. So you're, I don't, 
I haven't run into any nicks or any burns. Yeah, well, that's because it really it, helps it, out. Well, yeah. that's because it has their advanced skin safe technology. That's why it won't. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's why it, that's how it reduces nicks and cuts. And um, the uh, what's the what's the nose hair trimmer called? I'm a little drunk. You guys got the weed whacker. The weed whacker <laughs> that also has the uh, skin safe technology. Because yeah. as you know, you shouldn't be sticking scissors in your nostrils. Oh hell nor, no. y- nor yanking uh, your nose hairs out. Don't punish yourself. No, use the uh, crop, the weed whacker. What's it called? I keep forgetting what yeah, it's Yeah, the called. weed whacker, yes. Crop use preserver the, goes on your balls, dude. The crop preserver goes on your balls, right. And the crop preserver, the weed whacker does your nose and ear hairs. The crop preserver goes on your balls. The crop, revi- the crop preserver is like a deodorant you put on the first thing out of the shower. The crop reviver, you hit that up later on when you need to freshen up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you you've start- been doing yard work or you ran a marathon. Right, you're starting to have problems down there. Hit up right. the crop reviver. And on top of all that, so this all comes with the um, the 4.0 package. On top of all that, you also get the boxers, which I love. I love those boxers. Those are maybe my favorite part of the whole package. Very comfortable. It keeps all your bits and pieces together downstairs. Mm-hmm. Totally. Everything's nice and snug. No bat wings, right. nothing. Right. And uh, it comes in a really cool, I don't know if it's leather or a fake leather or what, but a really nice ba- travel bag. Yep. And so you can, you know, if you're the kind of person who likes to trim daily when you're on vacation... There you go. Throw it in the bag or just even if it's just a matter of keeping your stuff better situated in your bathroom. That's what I started doing. I just threw everything in that bag so everything's in one place. Um, I tend to make a mess of the house. This helps me keep from doing that. Yeah. Keep your ball bag management components all in one spot in their handy dandy pleather bag. Yep. So, yeah, we just want to say uh, thank, thank you, Manscaped, for your awesome products and thank you for keeping us as smooth. I mean, you should see how smooth I am. I'm like a, uh, a pair of hard-boiled eggs. It's I'll lovely. you next time. Yeah, Scott will come over here. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe we should do... A, that could be a good episode. You could do a review of my balls. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to throw it over to Adam on this one. And uh... <laughs> So, if you know what? If you uh, buy, uh, buy this package, uh, you're also going to get 20% off and free shipping if you use the promo code Drunk Wrestling. One word. All, all in one word. And uh, actually, from also uh, actual conversation, just want to clarify that it is 20% off of uh, the package that you order from manscaped.com. We're not cutting 20% off of your package that's attached to you. That's the Moyles job. So <laughs> I can't afford to lose 20%. <laughs> so, About to so get make sure that Steiner make sure that here. you take advantage of that when you uh, go shopping on manscaped.com again uh, the promo code all one word drunk wrestling yep unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped they love your balls and let's get back into the match and Adam I love that moil joke that was <laughs> brilliant you're welcome um, the faces are doing the double team in the corner shit and these guys are just brawling. Like, this match is just like a shit show. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's, it's a, all over the place. It's an ODQ. I don't remember if Adam mentioned that. I assume he did. He's a very good oh. host. Uh, I'm fantastic. I may have missed it on this one, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> so it kind of just goes crazy. I mean, it's just like chaos. And then they end up, there's whips, there's chains. And I was like, they should be wrestling. They look for the like S- rusted chains. <laughs> yeah, they should be wrestling for the S&M titles. Right, I thought the gimp was going to show up. <laughs> let me no. let me rephrase that. I was hoping the gimp was going to show up. The gimp was sleeping. 
<laughs> Don't awaken um, the gimp. The Russians end up winning with a chain shot. And um, it was a little too much chaos. It was a cool match. It wasn't boring or anything. It was just a little... They could have slowed it down a tiny bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. There was no reason for it. They went that. to zero yeah. to ten too quickly on that. Yeah, maybe? but it was fun. Right. Um, and you know what? I probably, probably just it being that crazy would make more sense to me if I'd been watching the show and was caught up in the angle. But, you know, going into it cold as a standalone match, it could have been, they could have reined it in a tiny bit. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. It wasn't super great. Mm-hmm. I like, this was actually my least favorite tag team match on this card so far. And there have only been two. <laughs> the next match is an Indian strap match between Rick Rude and Chief Wahoo McDaniel. What a waste of Rick Rude. It really was. Especially a, an Indian strap match. I would have preferred at least a Caribbean strap match. <laughs> Did you notice Rick Rude's music when he was coming to the ring? Well, it's like Vegas lounge music. It was great. And it, it was very strange, yeah. Yeah, and at the beginning, there was like a chick's voice comes on and says, Ricky, you're so ravaging. Where did yeah. you come from? Yeah. And I was like, how did they not think to call him ravishing? He's just Rick Rude. He's not ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. That. Come on. Yeah. I like, actually got really excited at the beginning. I thought they said this was going to be a strap-on match, and I saw Rick Rude come out. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> but then the, the actual strap came out, and I'm like, god damn it. You were, you were excited to see Cheryl, Robert, Cheryl Roberts pay him? <laughs> Um, or anyone for that matter <laughs> um, Wahoo comes out to a Van Hammer song yeah and he's like a hundred years he's a hundred years old he looks like he wants it turned down <laughs> should have been Anthrax cry for the Indian yeah well there's our outro music um, and then they announce him as the greatest Indian wrestler today like Indian wrestler as a division right <laughs> it was really bizarre <laughs> Uh, and then, so Rude starts off in control, and the beginning of this match is like elder abuse. Uh, first off, I want to point Dude. out this is like a twenty foot strap. Yeah, it's, it's a long, strap. super long. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's really. They long. always yeah. were for the strap matches, though. Yeah, yeah. With with the concept of uh, you have to touch four corners in consecutive order without your momentum. And in general, I hate these matches. But, agree. Yeah, this, this didn't do is, much to change my mind. No, this, this match is, is no exception. <laughs> Um, I really didn't like it. I did like that Rude tied Wahoo's hands and dragged him. That was kind of cool because you, it makes... When I saw it, I was like, dude, is he going to win already? Because how do you get out of this? You know what I mean? Right. But then right. he like, Just make a dash for the four corners. Yeah, but then he like kicked his feet up and... Right. I put the dude in the sleeper and just walk, but nobody ever does that. And five minutes in, both guys have color. But Yeah, right. They're both bleeding because they've been punched with a leather strap, which to me seems like it would hurt less than a fist. Right, yeah. I don't think you're getting busted open by a leather strap. Right, you're like padding your fist with leather and then they're bleeding from it. That never made sense to me. In every leather strap match, they do that too. Although I will say this, do you know what my favorite part of this match was? Um, When Ru- Rick Rude goes up to the top rope and gets jerked off? My favorite part of the match is Rick Rude goes to the <laughs> top rope and Bob Cottle says, Rude couldn't keep his balance. Wahoo just jerked him right off. <laughs> yeah. I had to pause the show so I could continue laughing. I called that shit, didn't I? Way called it, dude. Yeah. We've been doing this show together way too long. Yeah, we're, it's like we're sharing a brain. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And then in my notes I have... <laughs> um, so he gets jerked off the top rope and he, he takes the funniest elbow drop ever. It's like Wahoo missed the elbow drop by a foot, so he backhanded him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a standing backhand. Yeah, drop. um, 
So Wahoo gets three turnbuckles. Paul Jones tries to stop him, and he gets hit. Rude hits Wahoo from behind. He shoots him into the corner. And right. That's, that's the end of the match. And then he whips his ass until Hector and Baron save him. Right. Baron siding number two of the night. And yep. post-match beat down number three, I think. Number out three. Of four matches. Yep. Yeah. Number three. Mm-hmm. And that's that for that match. And after this, we get Ivan Koloff in the back saying that the Russians outsmarted and outbeated the Jayhawks. <laughs> and Crusher right. talks, and he's very American. Well, Crusher was American, right? Because I was like, yes, he, he was. Okay, because I was like, is he not bothering to fake an accent? Uh, and then I looked it up because I didn't really know a whole. I knew I knew his gimmick, but I didn't know a lot about it. And it, his gimmick was that he was American, but he was like a he was like he was a, a Russian sympathizer. He was like Sarge, yeah, ninety one. Right. Okay, got same, it. Same situation, so he wouldn't have an accent. But it yeah, he been started funny. talking, and I was hella laughing, dude. It would have been funny if he gradually acquired an accent. <laughs> yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Our next match is for the NWA Central States title. And I just want to say, like, these divisions and general regions are pretty interesting once I hear new ones. That was these did go away that, at some or point, at least Adam. new ones that I'm uh, aside from ones that I'm used to, like the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title and North American title. When there was a Mid Atlantic title yeah. and all sorts of uh, the Central States in this match, they had a whole bunch of these. Well, but eventually they all got kind of shrunk. There was like a North American champion, I think. They all got shrunken down into like major titles. Well, what it was was every territory had its own champion that would be positioned yes. as their top guy, right? So like exactly, in San Francisco, yes. Ray Stevens was the champion of San Francisco, and I think that was called the U.S. Championship. I think it was called the U.S. Championship, but I have to look it up. So he was the top champion here. But they still recognize the NWA champion as the top, top guy. So that's right. why they all had that. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned that, Adam, because I wanted to get into that. So Sam Houston was the Central States Heavyweight Championship champion. Oh, yeah. Because this is uh, Bill Dundee versus Sam Houston, who is the champion. Right, okay. So Sam Houston wrestled in the Central States territory, which was run by Bob Geigel. The reason, so he would not have normally been on a Crockett show, but what happened was about a year before this, or maybe eight or eight months or so, before this, Crockett bought Central States from Geigel. So he absorbed, he, he was running it as its own territory, but he's like, cool, so I have this territory, so I have this champion, so I'll bring him over for our big show of the year. So that's why a Central States guy was totally wrestling on a, um, a uh, Mid-Atlantic territory show. And not long after that, he actually sold it back to Geigel, which was probably a good move. And then... What, when did Sam Houston show up in WWE? 88? 87? 87. 87. So a year later, he's working for Vince. And I don't know this, and I didn't look it up, but I bet this was a situation of Vince just let's buy the top guy from that territory. Yep. Because I want to start running shows there. Also related to Jake the Snake, though, who was His in brother. the WWF at the time. Yep. Right. He's Jake's brother. So, and Rock and Robin's brother. Right. And um, Velveteen Dream's favorite wrestler, Grizzly Smith's son. So Vince would have picked him up so he could go run shows in the Central States territory and put him probably not top of the card, but upper mid card, you know, probably the semi-main event. But only he in did that try with Sam Houston, at least. Well, I mean, he was basically a jobber his whole career there. And if you look at him, he's not a Vince guy. No, 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 but no I not think this all. He had the height, but no build. Right, but I, I think this is a really good illustration of what Vince was doing. Like, go get the top guy there, even if I have no plans for him. 
take right. him, make him a jobber on TV. But when I want to run a show in that territory, for one, Geigel loses him. For two, now I can run shows there and kind of put him on top because they know him in that territory. They know him. Yeah, smart, man. Fuck yeah, this is. happened a lot on this show. And uh, same with Dundee, quickly, I don't want to go too much, I don't want to drag this out too much, but Dundee was kind of the same thing. He'd been kind of all over the place. And as the territories, I think he'd been in Continental, he'd been Georgia, uh, Georgia Mid-South. And I think it was sort of the territories were starting to struggle, so he was like, fuck it, I'm going to go work for Crockett. Yep. Yep. And that's that. Uh, so, in the match, he, uh, after the ref got gets knocked over, uh, he beats uh, Sam Houston with his own shoe. I could picture Del Preston in Wayne's World 2 telling that uh, Sri Lanka story. I had to beat him to death with his own <laughs> shoes. <laughs> yeah, you know, but there wasn't really much to this match that so you might as well do. Like, you just didn't jump to the finish. That's how it ends up yeah. in DQ. He's, he's going for a figure four, gets kicked off, pulls Sam Houston's boot with him, hits the ref, hits Houston with the boot, but then the ref sees it and... That's the end of the match. The most interesting thing about this match to me was that I noticed, this is when I first noticed Bill After was there. Oh, yeah, and his Pro Wrestling Illustrated t-shirt, too. Oh, did, was he wearing that? He was. I did, You know what? I, all I ever noticed is his big fucking bald head. His big bald head, yeah. Yeah, with the, whole, with the like two hairs like Homer Simpson. Right, yeah. <laughs> Baby those things. <laughs> yeah. Next oh. match. Oh. oh, go ahead. Next match is a hair versus hair match. With Raging Bull in a raised cage. Shark the cage. Hair versus in a, in a shark cage. It is not the hair versus hair of the two opponents. So the match is Paul Jones versus the Boogie Woogie Man. Not the Boogie Man, but the Boogie Woogie Man. Jimmy Valiant with Big Mama. The hair versus hair is between Paul Jones and Big Mama. So your intro- Did you get all that? Yeah, your intro to that match was as confusing as the show's intro to that match. It took me a couple minutes I, to figure out what the fuck no, was going how on do you here. Dissect that properly, because Valiant had already had his head shaved. So oh, that's he? why this happened. Yeah, so he had had his head shaved in a previous match. So that's okay. why Big Mama's hair and is on the line. Yeah, he was so convinced he could beat Paul Jones that he put Big Mama's hair up. And okay. as soon as I saw Jimmy Valiant and Big Mama come to the ring, I'm like. These people are hanging out at 7-Eleven right now begging somebody for change. <laughs> Jimmy oh. Bowie did look like that. Yeah, he does look like a guy who's going to come up and like in, in, yeah, like in some kind of psychotic speech, ask you for change and then say he doesn't need it anyway when you tell him no. Right, or he's carrying a gas can saying, oh, dude, my car's down the road. Like, <laughs> they right, seriously the, live at my 7-Eleven, I think. Right, and the gas can's full of like smeared off ice. Right. That's almost as good as a laundry detergent bucket filled with beer. <laughs> yeah, almost. Um, yeah, Valiant's, yeah, I was like, he's like the missing link. He's like an animal. You know what I mean? He doesn't act like an actual person. But let me say this. The crowd fucking loved him, dude. They did. Well, like the way you would love a dog, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Regardless, they fucking loved Boogie Woogie Man, dude. Uh, and even as a kid, like... Because this is one of the first NWA shows I ever watched. Like, mm -hmm. big shows. I right. was watching the lead-up to this and everything. Like, even as a kid, I was like, okay, I like Boogie Woogie Man. I just, I don't know why. Like, why am I getting so invested? In he just had a connection. Like, almost like Dusty Rhodes. The connection with the crowd was there. 
And right. I don't know how you explain it. It's just there. Yeah. And the crowd fucking loved Jimmy Valiant. Yeah, sometimes those guys just have it, you know? They have it. Whatever yes, it is. they make yeah. a connection, and that's that. Yeah, he did. Um, so, Manny Fernandez, was that Manny Fernandez was in the cage, right? Yes. Yeah, they put yes. Manny Fernandez in a uh, shark cage. So, this is the second gimmick match, right? Because there was the no DQ match. Correct. Okay. Um, which is already, like, match five, and we're in two gimmick matches, whatever it is. Um, yep. It was kind of a weird match. Valiant did a sleeper. He shoots Paul Jones to the corner, and I don't know. How did it end? <laughs> well, what's funny is this match didn't really call for any color. Right. But regardless, five minutes in, Valiant is bleeding profusely. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't need it's, that in this match. It wasn't so, necessary. So pretty much Paul Jones had a brass knuckles-like item That's right. in his trunks. After using it twice... He drops it. Valiant uh, picks it up, uses it. That's right, and then for, he... for the and the, he was still wearing it during the pinfall. And How does the ref not see it? Well, Earl's fa- <laughs> well, Earl's. To, to be fair, Earl's face was a full foot away from his hand. So how would you expect him to notice that? Th- that's fair. That's well, and he <laughs> yeah. he had all that plastic surgery ahead of the Hogan Andre match. So. <laughs> his vision might have been a little skewed. It, it was a little skewed, yes. <laughs> but yeah, basically, Valiant gets the pinfall on Paul Jones, and immediately it was almost like he was hiding the clippers less, in his trunk. Less than a minute later, yeah, boom, head probably shaven. thirty seconds later. Yeah. yeah, there's no pageantry or anything like no chair being set up in the ring, no shaving cream, no introduction of the shears. Right, it was just like boom, shaving the head. Oh, he sh- well because he knew Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez were going to come and jump him, so he better get this done. Yeah, let's get. And he was, dude, he was going deep. He shaved the shit out of him too. Yeah. I mean, he took off. It was like he was using the lawnmower 4.0. He shaved him so fucking much. <laughs> that was a freebie, Manscaped. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna and, say. Wait a second, we're giving him two. And if you go on Manscaped.com, make sure that you use the promo code Drunk Wrestling. <laughs> You'll get twenty percent off of your package uh, that you order. Not. 20% off of the package attached to you. but And you'll also get free shipping. So make sure that you check out uh, that deal. All right, all right, all right. Don't give them too much for free. <laughs> and another post-match beatdown by Ruben Fernandez, beat as you called, on Valiant. And I forget what number we're at right now, but I do have the total Regin, at the end of my notes. Raging Bull is lowered, and he uh, takes off his uh, tank top to cover up the bald head. Like and that. for the record, Rude and Fernandez would go on to form a very successful tag team that would unseat the Rock and Roll Express for the tag team titles months after this pay-per-view. Mm, okay. And later, Manny Fernandez would just show up at indie shows with his uh, gimmicks to sell and ask who he's wrestling. Yes, and even later would go on to avenge the death of Bruiser Brody by almost killing one of the assailants in the middle of the ring. That's a watch along. We gotta we gotta do a watch along of that match. I think that we should. Yeah, that my was favorite actually, part is when the guy spits up blood. Yeah, that was actually before doing the the indie matches. But uh, oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah, that's that's he does that now still today. I think kills After, people in the ring or no. <laughs> he's not going up any top ropes these days. <laughs> After this, it's thrown to Starcade Control, where the some guy intros Nelson Royal, who uh, who offers. <laughs> coffee and describes <laughs> the rules of an upcoming bunkhouse stampede and he's, I was he's, hoping he was getting drunk and he was going to fall on the fire yeah he's sitting by a fireplace this or a fire like an outdoor fire 
Yeah. What the way the he was fuck? talking, I almost fell asleep, dude. Yeah, he goes like into the history. I started looking up something. I was like, I, I wasn't paying that much attention. It was long, I was looking too. up Kelly Madison picks. <laughs> Shit. I was like, well, fuck I, this I, Nelson Royal guy. I typically, no, well, I was doing this at work in my truck where I have Kelly Madison picks printed out and hung up, so. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I don't need to call. search that. <laughs> it was just kind of eerie with the upbeat guitar music <laughs> and then montage of guys beating the chocolate out of each other yeah like it was weird shit. Like then we get a, a deliverance then we get a replay of the entire crockett cup and i would oh. then i realize oh. it's intermission in the ring yeah before that it's intermission yeah because i'm like why are they showing all this backstage bullshit and then i was like oh yeah they used to back in the day they used to do intermissions on paper intermissions so yep. that's what it was I, you know what they could have just put up that intermission graphic with the countdown like wwe used to do it would have been just as entertaining maybe more so yeah, maybe more so. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, back to Starcade Control where they're going over the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. They recap last year where uh, Road Warriors won. Mm-hmm. And you're just so hyped up when you see the board of directors being referred to and actually entering rings. <sighs> oh, yeah, it was fantastic. How, that lady was like 98 years old. Getting in that ring. Oh, I didn't even notice her. Yeah, the one they introduced the uh, the check to the Road Warriors when they won the Crockett Cup. You didn't notice her. You couldn't no. even do the big cardboard check. Yeah, no. I know, right? Like the Happy Gilmore big oversized check. Nope, not doing that. Hmm. No, I think I'd stop paying attention for a minute until the match started. But you have to think though, too. This is before the the day and age when they had basically like twelve to fourteen pay per views a year. Right. This is when WCW was essentially, or the NWA, I should say, was Great American Bash mm-hmm. and Starcade. Yeah. And that was pretty much it for them. That was like June, July, and November, December. And that was it. They didn't have really much else. And so the Crockett Cup was kind of like their next big, what they thought might be a big pay-per-view for them, which took place in, I believe, March or April right around WrestleMania. And that's why they were pushing this thing because they wanted to hype up the 87 event. Well, it makes perfect sense to do a six-minute commercial for it six months before it happens. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When when else are they going to do it aside from their Saturday morning show? May as well throw it all into this big pay-per-view. Eat up some time. That's true. Finally, a match after uh, after two talking segments... Split up by an intermission. A Louisville street fight. Uh, Ron Garvin versus Big Bubba Rogers. So another gimmick match. Another gimmick match. What was Bubba's gimmick? It was cool, but I don't really know what it is. Is he like a collector? You know what I mean? Like a, like a, no, like a loan like, shark will send him to get money? Godfather. No, he was a bodyguard. He oh, was, he was a bodyguard. He was straight up oh, Jim okay. Cornette's bodyguard. But bodyguard. He was hired by Jim Cornette's mama to protect him. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That. that was that was the whole thing. He was hired by Jim Cornette's mama to protect him. Okay, I know he talked about his mama all the time. Yes. Okay, that's... Well, he doesn't look like a bodyguard, but that's a great gimmick. <laughs> um, I loved Big Bubba, dude. He was so fucking good. He was great with the glasses and the hat. Oh, I loved it. It, it was, was so huge. great. He was fucking huge. Yeah, I, I rooted for him highly as a heel against Ronnie fucking Garvin. <laughs> um, I didn't watch this back then, but I would have rooted... This might have been the first time I rooted for a heel. Because I it, hated fucking Ronnie Garvin. Yeah, I noticed uh, Big Bubba's music. It sounded almost like The Doors. Oh, did it? Was coming to the ring. Yeah. Oh, what song? Wh- which shitty Doors song? 
what does it matter? Yeah, they all they're suck. all the same. Yeah, I know. It's all the same shitty song. But yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, the dude's too bored to sing. Yeah. So a lot of early duck and punch moves by Ronnie Garvin, mm-hmm. which that was his whole thing in the ring is I'm going to punch you in the head to win the match. Right. Okay, well, it's an illegal closed fist. Yeah. Why is this being allowed? At least in this match, it made sense because it was a street fight, but that was. That was like his hands of stone. That was his finishing move. Not okay. Still better than the Garvin stomp, but still not okay that he wanted to try to knock you out to win the match. Like about as as good as Big Show's finisher, I guess. With the WMD. Yeah, but at least Big Show's a giant, you know. Right. Ronnie Garvin is like three foot five. Like, come yeah. on, really? Like this um, is. Yeah, I don't fucking. I don't know. Um, so this was they had to be. Well, what happened? This. They beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, um, they did. Gar- Garvin controls a lot of the match, and Bubba sells his ass off for him. Which, he, dude, yeah, given the he size really differential, did. you know, I thought that was uh, very generous of Bubba. Yeah, this was a total David and Goliath. And dude, Bubba, yeah, you're right, was super generous in the ring, generous in the ring with him. Yeah, like sold a lot for him. Yeah. So Bubba tosses Garvin onto the ref on a kickout, um, and then he takes a pile driver. Yeah, Garvin gets up and when he leans on the ropes, Corny hits him with with the racket to the back of the head. Fucking wax him. Yeah. yeah, and then so they're both down. So it's a pile driver and a racket to the head. They're both down, and the referee does the ten count, counts them both down. Right? Is that how, that that's how it went? Right? And then it goes yeah. to a uh, like a sudden death type situation. Whoever gets yeah, up first. Yeah, both guys were... counted down, and then first man to his feet will win. Yeah. So Garvin's almost up. Bubba grabs the referee and pulls him down. Yeah. So he doesn't see Garvin. While Garvin, Garvin get up. is up. Yeah, yeah Garvin's the, standing. The ref doesn't see Garvin get up, and Garvin can only hold himself up for a second. He falls back down, and then Bubba. Well, gets Cornette up. whacked him with his uh, his racket. Again. Oh, that's right. He did hit him again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, he hit him right. in the leg. Garvin fell. Bubba gets right up. Yeah, so it was a cool finish. I actually liked the finish a lot. Brilliant heel shit. I loved mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it, neither guy came out looking weak. I mean, I guess Bubba did a little more than Garvin did, but, you know, they protected the baby face. It, yes, and, and look, I, I rag on Garvin, whatever, but he was a huge fucking star in the NWA, dude. It was almost like what ECW did with Taz. Yeah. How right. they took a shorter, smaller guy, right? And I'm short and small, whatever, but right. they took a shorter, smaller guy and made him a huge fucking star. That's exactly what Crockett did with Ronnie Garvin. Mm-hmm. They made him their fucking heavyweight champion by beating Ric Flair, and they made it believable. He was God good. bless him, dude. Yeah, I mean, he was good and he was believable in the ring. I just never, I thought his personality was just, ugh. you know what I mean? I just, oh, never no, no, liked I'm not him. a Garvin fan by any stretch. Yeah, but I mean, what he did in the ring was fine, you know? And I, it was okay. And it definitely worked better. You could, you could do more with less personality down there than you could up in uh, New York. As evidenced by his WWE run versus his NWA run. Yeah, which his WWE run was a disaster. Total disaster. And I yeah. think he had a feud with Bossman, didn't he? I don't remember that. I think when Ronnie Garvin came in, Bossman was right on the cusp of his face turn. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I know he worked with Hammer. He did uh, work with Hammer, yes. Which, which to be fair, did did him no favors. Like, nobody really well, gave a no. shit about Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> like, two of the most stoic guys ever. Right, like, right. Yeah, okay, what are we going to get out of this? Yeah, right, right. It was the, They were like the Spider-Mans pointing at each other. They were like the same <laughs> right, guys. exactly. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, I think we covered that 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 match. Enough Garvin talk. Yeah. We have a first blood match for the World Television Championship. Tully Blanchard versus the champion Dusty Rhodes. So Tully is in wrestling headgear. He tries and, to uh, be. He try he tries to. So Well, yeah. yeah. And Dusty has Tully written on his head. Yeah, so he shaved the sides of his head right above yeah. his ears to write Tully on the both fuck sides was that? of his head. What was why did he do that? I have no idea, dude. I I honestly don't know why he did that. It's I a was psych so out thing, but why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah, that's just odd. I, it, it was bizarre. So it's another gimmick match. Was, I, I have no explanation for that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Dusty so was very serious, though. He was very serious. Going he was. Into I, no, he meant business. He meant business. He did. Um, so it's another uh, another gimmick match. Another and gimmick match. And JJ's great before this, dude. He put the headgear on Tully. He's trying KY. to rub Vaseline on his face. And he put KY like, jelly on his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's lubing him up. Ref very aggressively up. wipes the wipes the jelly off his the face. The referee is not having that KY jelly in his room. None of it, dude. That's disgusting. None of it. Yeah. <laughs> great heel shit, dude. Yeah. And I love that JJ gets in the ring to fucking yell at Dusty. Dusty fucking lays out JJ. And yeah. for no reason at all in this first blood match, the fucking manager gets color. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right away. On one Immediately. Elbow. Yeah. There was no reason for it. <laughs> in a first blood match, the fucking yeah. managers busted open in the first two <laughs> minutes of the match. Well, I think so the point good. of it, well, he did it with the elbow. So I think the point of it was to show how, how uh, dangerous that elbow was. Well, exactly, because you know what I mean? they spent, like, the, the first open. 10 minutes of the match showing Tully, like, trying to avoid the elbow and avoid the mm-hmm. punch because you saw what happened to JJ. You're exactly right, dude. Right, so as funny as it was for the, for the manager to get color at the beginning of the match, like, it made sense for a... It you told know, a story, it told yes. A story, it told a really good story, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. I loved this match, actually. This match was really good. I did, too. It showcased everything that Dusty did so well almost without even trying to. And we talked about Valiant having that connection with the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can't explain why it happens, but Dusty had it with this crowd too. He really and did, yeah. He was just, his his charisma in the ring, the way he was able to engage the crowd and become that everyman. This is when wrestling crowds still believed this shit was real. Right. Right? This is before the internet. This was... They probably got their kids this as a Christmas gift. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is your, we're going to take you to a wrestling show and this shit's legit. It's real. We're going to get emotionally invested. You're going to see this guy, Dusty Rhodes. You will never see another wrestler better than him for the rest of your years. Like, this was a family outing. Dusty engaged with this crowd. And you're right, dude. This match was so great because you had one of the top heels in the company with Tully. Mm-hmm. You had the emotional connection with the crowd, with the baby face, with Dusty. What a story this told. And JJ getting busted open in the first few minutes. If you get hit by Dusty's fist, by his elbow, your ass is getting busted open. You're Just losing one. this match. Just yeah. one. That's all it takes. Just yeah. one. You're losing. Totally. It was great. And like uh, to your point about them taking it more seriously and still like believing it was real, um, it was definitely that way in certain territories. And this was one of them where they treated it more like it was real. Like you right. would bleed. Like in WWE, if a guy did the, you know, stand on the turnbuckle and punch you in the face 10 times and you don't bleed, that never made sense. Right. Right. But down here, you would bleed. Or yes. they just did, they didn't have the characters like um, Link or Ultimate Warrior. 
you know, freaks like that. They were much more just regular people with a regular name. Like, very few people in this match even, or this whole show, have, like, even a gimmick name. Right. You know what I mean? So it was treated more seriously in Crockett's territory. And well, look at how many of, of the matches already had blood. Uh, I'd have to go back and count, but yeah, this is not the first time we see it. The first blood, they didn't save the blood for the first blood match. No, definitely not, <laughs> which is hilarious because that's probably when you should save it for, but <laughs> right. yeah, th- no, a lot of matches already had blood on the card. Like this was just, it was so good. It was your, your shit heel mm-hmm. that you've built over months and months and months versus probably the top baby face in your company. Totally. Yeah. Great match, dude. Yeah. Great match. Um, So Earl takes like, Tully takes a suplex and his feet hit Earl, takes Earl out. And then Dusty gets on top of him and does like a ground and pound and busts him open, but Earl's out. So JJ gets up, cleans him up, puts uh, more KY jelly on him. Yes, stops the bleeding. And then Tully hits Dusty with a roll of quarters, which I forgot to mention there was a roll of quarters in the previous match. Of all things. Of all things. Bubba they could used have, they could have in, got in another oh, one of those he did, brass nuts yeah, like things. Yeah, right. and I just my notes are small on my screen, so I just missed that. But yeah, so this is two matches in a row. We see, see a roll quarter spot. Oh, look at NWA throwing their money around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, they had extra uh, money left over because they didn't put that second camera in the good seats. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. So after the roll well, quarters, didn't have to pay Magnum TA either. <laughs> um. So yeah, Jesus. Um. <laughs> so after after the roll quarters, Dusty's bleeding. Earl wakes up and sees him, and Tully's been cleaned off, and uh, he comes and touches the blood to make sure it's actually blood. I was waiting for him to taste it, dude. <laughs> That's what I was figuring. It was like the he way he touched his it. forehead. I was like, he's gonna lick his hand. He was inspecting it, like. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. And then yeah. he calls for it. It's a strawberry <laughs> jelly. <laughs> and uh, Tully gets right the fuck out of there. And Dusty's pissed at Earl. Right. Yeah. Right. That wouldn't be the first time Earl was pissing somebody off. No, no, no. Earl has a bad habit of that. Right. Just wait a few months. Yep. <laughs> Our next. And that was that. Dusty loses the TV title. Yep. Tully Blanchard's the new TV champion. Our next match is a scaffold match. Our one and only scaffold match. Utilizing the scaffolds that are set up for the entire show. The Road Warriors with Paul Elring versus the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. No titles on the line here. Nope, but another gimmick match. Another gimmick match. But let me just say, okay, let's rewind back in time. Okay. This match is happening and I'm 12 years old. And I'm watching all of the build to this match. The Road Warriors and the Midnight Express, Paul Ellering, Jim Cornette, they all fucking hated each other. Mm -hmm. This was a blood feud. The Midnights and Jim Cornette had been antagonizing the Road Warriors for months, dude. The Road Warriors start cutting these promos and putting together these vignettes where they take pumpkins to the top of this building and they drop the pumpkins off and they're like this is Jim Cornette's head when he hits the mat (laughs) dude and these pumpkins are exploding on the street okay today I would watch that 48 year old Scott would watch that and go (laughs) okay yeah I versus I with Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio sure wrestling wink wink nudge nudge say no more but 12 year old Scott watching this in 1986 they're gonna kill Jim Cornette 
They are going to fucking snuff out Jim Cornette, dude. He <laughs> is dead. There is no way he's making out of this match alive. And by God, I almost called it. You And, and you know what? When you see those scaffolds, or you, you see the scaffold, how tall it is, like someone could die from that. <laughs> dude, that you know even I mean? looked <laughs> taller than the one from Great American Bash. I think it was. And I think it was taller than the um, Dick Rimes tall. one. And yeah. given the shoddy construction of the thing, I think the kindergartners that put together the Halloween Havoc set in 91 put this <laughs> shit together in 1986. I have that so, exact comment in my notes, dude, because <laughs> when they're going up it, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's animal grabs one of the rails on the top and it falls right off. If he I, had tried to support his weight, he was fucking dead. Oh yeah. Dude. If he, if he leaned against that, yeah, he would have, he would have just gone backwards head first. Oh my God. I thought yeah. that was PVC before, uh, coming to the conclusion that was painted metal yeah but painted metal dude but i'm actually not still not 100 that it's painted metal it was prob- probably pvc no it's metal it's metal they <laughs> it just was metal put, they just didn't put it together right you put these it's pins just... through to hold the uh the bars in place and someone forgot the fucking pin just forgot to put the pin in now had one of them put their weight it just on that made it mm-hmm. that much scarier <laughs> Oh, dude, and you could see the thing moving under him. <laughs> Holy shit. Man, yeah. I didn't notice that watching this match back in 86, but I watch it now and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot believe these four guys made it out of there alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Road Warriors are up there first, and then Midnight comes out. Condry climbs up it. He changes his mind halfway. He's like, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and Corny's over there yelling at Skiavone. <laughs> he yells, this ain't even civilization. It's stupid. <laughs> and I was like, he's right. It is stupid. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Condry gets up and throws powder in um, Road Warrior's face, faces and starts beating on them. I'm not convinced that wasn't coke, dude. <laughs> I always make the coke joke when there's powder. Right. <laughs> I'm but 86. Not that w- I, look, he was throwing it at Hawk. We've heard right. the stories. <laughs> yeah. Like, did he just give him a baggie like, dude, throw this in my face? Listen, brother, I'm going to need you to throw this in my face. In case I take a tumble off the top of this fucking scaffold, I'm going to need some of this right here. Throw it in my face about three minutes in. I'm just saying, God bless him. I love the Road Warriors, my favorite tag team of all time. Mm -hmm. But when that powder got thrown, I'm like, (laughs) okay. He loves it. Yeah. And then Bobby throws some at Animal. I'm like, oh, yeah. Here we go. It's party time, baby. (laughs) Um, Hawk's hanging from the damn scaffold. And they lose another rail behind him. So it's like just continues to fall apart. This thing is fucking falling apart. And you're like, oh my God. It's like watching the Enterprise in one of the Star Trek films just get blown to bits. And you yeah. see the scaffold just <laughs> falling apart as they're fighting on it. And you're like, please don't fall. I would have climbed right down that motherfucker, dude. I'm out. <laughs> I am fucking out. We're going to finish this in the ring. Um... <laughs> Uh, so you've got Bobby slides off and is hanging by Animal's leg. So they're doing some pretty cool. They're doing some dangerous shit. This is way better than, than the other scaffold matches we've reviewed on here. Yeah, that we watched like five years later. Because mm-hmm. this was actually like a steel platform that was at least distinctly attached to the top surface, unlike uh, the Great American Bash one. Yeah. Um, and Bobby Eaton was in that one, too. He was. Yeah, oh, he was. dang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and he's bleeding. And then Condry's, oh, yeah. ha- Condry's hanging from the damn thing, and he's taking stomps to the face, and Hawk climbs down after him. 
and they're trading punches on the tower and then Bobby gets an animal get down there and it's just it's now it's crazy they're just it's like rampage the game <laughs> yes <laughs> totally <laughs> they're like on a tower fighting yeah you gotta punch your way down yeah um so they're all eventually all four of them are hanging from the bottom and swinging and kicking each other and both at midnight go down yep and that's the match and then Corny goes after Ellering and then Ellering kind of just I guess Corny changes his mind and he flees to the top of the damn uh, scaffold so Hawk and uh, Ellering start to chase Cornette oh that's right Hawk was down I forgot Hawk was down there at this point yeah yes and so now Corny starts to scale the scaffold Mm -hmm. the problem is Animal's waiting up there for him right right so yep then Corny slides down the the bottom part of the scaffold and now he's dangling like his midnights were before him and a little backstory Corny wore glasses Mm -hmm. being that this was a pay-per-view Corny wanted to look his best so Corny left the glasses in the back big fuck up anybody that wears glasses you know that you need those for things like depth perception (laughs) so here's Corny dangling 25 feet above the ring in dress shoes in dress shoes, looking straight down, having no idea how actually far he is away from the mat that he's about to collide with, drops, blows out both his kneecaps. Yeah, Bubba was supposed to catch him. Yeah, he wasn't even anywhere near Bubba. And he dude. was so like, if you're swinging back and forth, right? He was at the complete opposite end of that swing from where Bubba was. He, Correct. He, he let go at the complete, at the absolute worst possible place on, on that swing. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, Bubba was standing, like, a little back. Corny swung forward mm-hmm. and ended up, like, six, seven feet away from him. Like, Bubba didn't have a chance to catch him, even he, if he wanted to. He kind of lunged at him, but he, he couldn't get to him. This is Right. This is yeah. that famous one that uh, you were mentioning uh, when we did the new Jack Vic Grimes one, right? Where Cornette blows out his knees on a scaffold? Yeah, he blew out his knees. This is... It was just interesting to finally put that image to your description but god what the hell is he thinking <laughs> yeah and he landed in the worst possible way right on yeah. his feet which yep. would be how you would land if Bubba was going to catch you you know what I mean right. if you are supposed to hit the mat you'd swing you'd kick your legs up and come down on your back but he was supposed to be caught so he came down the way you would if you expect to be caught and it just was it was all bad Right, like if Sim Snuka was down there, we wouldn't expect him to catch Cornette, right? <laughs> Damn but it was Bubba, but it was all Corny's fault. Right, right. Only other yeah, thing so I have for this is that uh, for the end of the match, is this how American Gladiators got the idea for Hang Tough? <laughs> <laughs> and if and if Turbo and Nitro and uh, any one of them... Uh, not Mike Adamley. We don't want to hear from you. But uh, nope. Z- but Zonka, if uh, you hear this, please let us know on the social media platforms, wrestling <laughs> underscore drunk. Zonka, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next match, Adam. We got two to go. Uh, let's see. Star Kid Control uh, recaps the Great American Bash. So... Uh, I was watching it with captions. The guy says the Great American Bash is a 14-night tour or uh, to celebrate the 4th of July, but the caption says 40 nights. So just, just good to know that there are 40 nights in July. That's great. I didn't catch that. <laughs> and then That's have, Hogan math. <laughs> yeah, the kindergartners are doing the uh, cryon. <laughs> Hogan math. And also, weren't they reviewing Great American Bash... 85? Yes. 
Oh yeah, they were. So yeah, the previous previous years. Like instead of doing the one that was like three months previous to this, Fucking they were doing the one from eighty five. Knuckleheads. Weird. I don't know why. The only yeah. reason I could think is because Nikita was still a heel during then. Oh yeah, I, I guess. I mean, and because he was in the main event as a face, they didn't want to feature. I I don't know, but then they showed Manny Fernandez as a face in those those clips. You're and he was a heel on his card. Yeah, I guess I'm overthinking. I think it's they just weird. did something stupid. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I blame the kindergartners. Yeah. Then we have another intermission. They played the wrong tape. Right. We have another intermission. When we come back, Skiavone says that there are two more matches, but let's thank the crew. And if, <laughs> if you're going to do this, do it before the last match. Like, if, credits. If, if you watch, if you watch the, if you watch football, like uh, on the team's last drive. Uh, shout out to our director, blah blah blah, camera people, blah 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 blah. blah. But there are two more matches, and they rolled the credits. They yeah. rolled the credits. That yeah. was odd. That was really fucking weird. To Adam's point, this is like rolling the credits after the third quarter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of a football game. Yeah, I, I, I was so confused. I've, I, how long have we been watching wrestling? I've never seen this happen one time. That's, the, I think that's the the credits guy trying to get out of there early. <laughs> right, beat the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably needed at the Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, do it now. I got, I got to fix something over there. Shit. Oh, but, dude, that was so weird. With <laughs> two matches left, that was really. I, bizarre. I know, but and even though we do have two matches left, I just want to say that this episode is brought to you by Eddie and Scott and me. I'm Adam. I just want to remind you all to stay safe. Enjoy your buzz. Watch wrestling responsibly. Drink like nobody's watching. And one, two, three. Here comes the next match. Shatoata. Uh, Dive. It's a cage match for the NWA Tag Team Championship. Ole and Arn Anderson versus the champions, the Rock and Roll Express. I'll be right back. I think this cat wants out of the room. Go ahead and get started. I'll be right back. Okay. So, Adam, my first thought about this match is it kind of goes back to the Dusty match with how invested the crowd was and back to the Valiant match. This is when wrestling was still very real to the crowd. And the reaction and the love that they showed the Rock and Roll Express. They were just they were popping for them. And of course, you went yeah. to WrestleMania. You know a good crowd pop. You were there when Cody Rhodes came out. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. That I don't think that that kind of response compares to the passionate response that the crowd gave the Rock and Roll Express. It was a different time. The, the the crowd now, for the most part, I think is smart, right? Mm-hmm. We, re, we read wrestling sites. We have advanced knowledge about things a lot of the times. We know stuff is going to happen before it happens. But there's still that part of your brain that does get, su- like, excited and surprised even though you've done your uh, research. Maybe it's just the satisfaction of your research has accumulated in you being correct. Well, yes, Something and like so, that. so when you see those kind of pops today, and I'll go back to the Cody Rhodes entrance at WrestleMania, that was a surprise for a lot of people. You go back to the Hardys coming out at WrestleMania a few years ago, that was a surprise to a lot of people. When you can catch people by surprise with something like that, that pop is genuine. It comes across on TV. This pop for the Rock and Roll Express was nothing other than, we love these guys, this is very real, we hate the Andersons, 
Go Rock and Roll Express. Totally. And that totally pop was. from the crowd was so fucking passionate. And that is why I love wrestling is because of those kind of crowds in the 80s when that shit was still real to these people and you got that response. It was so great, dude. And listening to it even today, dude, it just it makes me so happy. I'm like, that is real wrestling fans it, right there. It got your wrestling boner going. It, it did. It got a minor chub. <laughs> <laughs> got a minor chub. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I love this match. minor chub. This was such a good match. Another gimmick match, but this was such a good match. And Arn is... I told you yesterday that you mentioned yeah. to me that how good this match is. I said if I if we ever do an episode about most underrated wrestlers, which we probably will do, um, Arn might make my list because Arn is just so... Everything he does He's looks good. He's just so effective. Yeah. He looks like he... And he just looks like he could beat the fuck out of you. And yeah. He's very convincing and his stuff just looks snug and there's no... You see... You can't see through anything he does. Arn Anderson is so fucking good. And Oli is really good too, especially for being... You know, Alder's late... Uh, Oli's late in his career at this point. Almost done. Almost yeah. done, dude. He only had a couple more years left. Mm-hmm. And everything he does looks fucking good too. Yes. And these guys together were just so good in the ring. Like you watch teams today like FTR, for mm-hmm. example, and you can see where they get their, their influence from. You yeah. can see the tapes Hon- that they watch. honoring was- great fundamentals like this. Yes. This is tag team wrestling, honestly, at its finest. I guarantee you FTR has seen this match at least a dozen times. And I told you yesterday, Eddie, I've seen this match at least a dozen times. At least. Mm-hmm. Probably three or four times as many as that. I still watch it today in 2022, and I love it as much as I did as when I saw it in 1986. But I appreciate it more because I notice the things that they're doing. I'm not watching it really as like a fan anymore, wanting one team to beat the other. I'm Mm -hmm. watching it for the fundamentals of what tag team wrestling is. This has every single facet of classic vintage tag team wrestling that you'd ever want to see. That is this match. Totally. I love it, dude. I I mean, I'm not going to put a star rating on it. I'm not that dude. But watch this for tag team fundamentals. It's fucking outstanding. Yeah. Um, they do a really cool spot that I don't think, I don't remember ever seeing before where Robert Gibson ends up sitting on the top turnbuckle. And I don't remember if it's Arn or or, um, or Oli, but they slam his leg into the cage. Just like swing it sideways. Yeah. Which was really cool. And then, it was Oli, because then Oli starts working on his leg. And I was like, I love, this makes perfect sense. Work on a guy's leg is how you're going to climb out of a cage with a bad leg. Yes. You know, the psychology. Or try to crawl out and you got a bad leg. Or try to crawl out, exactly. And I don't think this one had a door. I don't think you could crawl out of this one. It did have a door. Yes. Oh, it did, did it? It did okay. have a door, but were I guess in standard definition, yeah. you can't see it. Yeah. Without throwing down spoilers, like yes, there was a door. Right. Okay. Um. So they work him over for a while, and then um he tags in Ricky Martin, and he is almost a hot tag, right? Kind of a hot tag, yeah. And he's immediately shot face first into the cage. Oh yeah, that it was, was the fantastic. Worst, it was the worst comeback of all time, and he's busted open, and they just start whipping his ass. They're just killing this guy. You've made that joke about Xavier, <coughs> excuse me, in a New Day match, mm-hmm. making a comment to the commentators, we're effectively cutting the ring in half. Right. That's what the Andersons did to the Rock and Roll Express. They absolutely did. 95% yeah. of the match, dude. Yeah. And what was crazy, too, is like, they're not trying to pin him. They're not trying to climb out of the cage. They're just beating on him. It's like a, yes. like they're torturing him. It's like, it's like a killer whale tossing around a seal for fun. <laughs> you know, like, that's what it <laughs> yeah, reminded damn. me of. I'm like, damn, dude, pin him. You know, just fuck. 
you know, have mercy. Well, you mentioned the Andersons were working over Gibson's leg. Mm -hmm. Morton comes in, and -hmm. now they're working over Ricky Morton's arm. Yeah, right. So, yeah, you're like effectively incapacitating them both. Yeah, exactly. Now they're 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 limping, or mm-hmm. now they're like a gimp on one side of their body because they can't lift their arm. Right. So smart, dude. Just vintage, vi- quick tags interrupting uh-huh. the ref when there's about to be a tag on the other side. Right. Just everything you love about tag team wrestling, all that vintage heel shit, it's mm-hmm. right here in this match. It t- totally. Yeah, I had that. Uh, lots of near tags too. You know. Yes. Um. He, uh. Ricky gets closer every time. Like you think he's gonna finally make the tag, and he never does. You know. They tease that hot tag because that was a thing with NWA wrestling back in the day. You have the original guy start. He tags out. That new partner takes the beating. Mm-hmm. Works to the hot tag. Quick finish. Faces usually win. That's not how this went. No, you never really got that actual hot tag. The hot tag would have been essentially when Gibson was getting his leg worked over and he tagged out to Ricky, who immediately mm-hmm. started getting his arm worked over. That was the end of the hot tags. This told a completely different story to most of the other Rock and Roll Express matches up to this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just got their ass kicked the whole time. And then eventually... Yeah, it was to a beatdown. Yeah, and to get to the end, we get all four guys in the ring. Um, Ollie goes for a body slam and on um, Ricky and then Robert drop kicks. He does the drop kick to Ricky's back. Yep. And they, he lands on top of him for the pin, and um, Robert turns around and you know uh, interferes with stops Arn, you know intercepts Arn. Yep. And boom, that's it. One Ricky Morton gets the pin. One, two, three. Talk and about was, having both teams come out strong. Right. It was kind of like, yeah, uh, Rock and Roll got the win, but but they barely, got lucky. They but got because, lucky because. Uh... Anderson's got ninety uh, percent of offense in. They look strong, regardless. Right, right, yeah. But they, you know, you do what you do at this match. Like you guys said, the the Andersons came out of this looking like fucking amazing. Yeah. Now you've booked another two to three months of house shows, mm-hmm. where the fans are going to believe, oh shit, the Andersons are probably going to win the titles tonight. Yeah. The way they worked them over at Starcade because we got that on pay per view. They're probably going to beat the Rock and Roll Express because Rock and Roll Express got lucky in that one. Exactly. They just yeah. sold another three months of house shows. Totally. Yeah. Also. Yeah, and it's okay. believable for it to go either way. Like, right, you think the Andersons are probably going to win, but you're not sure, so you got to go. You got to go because the Rock and Roll Express, they're resilient, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm also just a big fan of these kinds of cage matches. I absolutely hate all the slow crawls and the slow climbs. This is just, you're in a cage, use the cage, and just brutalize the other person to earn your win. Don't, like... Don't keep teasing the escape. Exactly. Yes. I am not a fan of that, and I, like, I'd want to protest how cage matches should be done, even though I don't have the answers what the product is right now isn't the answer. So I think this is a good uh, step in that direction of what a cage match should be. Yeah, Uh, it was fantastic. I love, love, love this match, Mm -hmm. dude. This is so good. Especially the way the Andersons came out looking amazingly strong. Rock and Roll Express, your resilient champions. Just so well done, dude. Chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to our main event for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the champion, Ric Flair, versus the United States champion, Nikita Koloff. Can we talk about that video? 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. before we get into the match, I feel obligated yeah. to talk about the video. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, so first off, uh, Flair enters first. <laughs> yes. And then there's a video. For either- a guy who's not in the match. Has there ever been a video this good before? <laughs> they do a video for Magnum TA. So to get into the background of Magnum TA, Magnum was originally supposed to wrestle Flair. Yes, correct. At this match, he got in the car crash. And what was his actual injury? It was a back injury? Uh, I don't remember, dude. Whatever it was, it was career-ending. Debilitating, yeah. It, so, it took him out of action. It, took so, him out of, it was his career. So they do this tribute video for him. And I, it's the greatest video I've ever seen. Look, the greatest video that I had ever seen up to this point was Warrant's Cherry Pie. <laughs> this, this easily took the cake, dude. Like, this is now my favorite video of all time. Like, Magnum running down the beach to get to his grandma. I've right, never seen it, such a thing. I thought it was his mom. You think it's his grandma? I thought it was his grandma. And the, <laughs> the music is so good. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play part of the music right now. I was hoping you'd have this. And they they actually licensed this music on Pecock. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Triple H came out to For Whom the Bell Tolls at 27, but you can't hear that. And, um... <laughs> but they bought this. Pat McAfee, or no, the not Pat McAfee, but the, the uh, Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders uh, danced to Thunderstruck, but you could only hear that when it was live. They won't pay, pay for that. <laughs> but they're paying for um, a box that's always empty by Matt Santry. <laughs> and it's Magnum TA, yeah, like you said, it's Magnum TA running on the beach to his grandma. <laughs> It's I like, guarantee you the the singer of this song paid WWE or Pacock to put this on this pay-per-view. It was not right. the other way around, dude. Yeah, that's true. You know what? It doesn't sound like this song is that old. I wonder if this was the original song. I should look up when the song was written. Oh, I hope it was, dude. It's, it's totally so po- good. You might be right. Adam, can you look that up? A box that's always empty. Can you look up when that song came out? Because it's totally possible that this is not the original song. Please be 1986. Um... So they, they, we get back to the arena, and uh, Flair has pyro, but the pyro has no sound. <laughs> Which is just like really janky-ass pyro. But thank God we could hear that song. Well, right, right. I mean, that's way more important than the pyro having sound. <laughs> Very much so. I know what pyro sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, a box that's always empty? A, a box that's always empty. When did that song come? When was that written? I'm seeing 2010. Is that right? That can't be right. <laughs> So this dude did pay Pecock to put this on Starcade 86. Oh my God. <laughs> Bless his heart. Because <laughs> I was listening to it and I was like, the, 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 just the sound of it doesn't sound like it's the 80s. You know what I mean? Not the song itself, but just the production of it. So yeah, okay, I was I'm hoping gl- that shit was 86, dude. <laughs> nope, now I want to know what song they used. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if any of our listeners have the videotape of this. Yeah, if anyone has the video and can uh, play this back and tell us what song it was, hit us up at uh, wrestling underscore drunk. Please. Please, please. Yeah, we need to know. I'm going to hope it was uh, All Night by Kiss. It's like the... <laughs> and he meets his grandma at the end of the beach. <laughs> Maybe it's Cherry Pie. <laughs> God willing. Fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> um, so, Koloff is just too damn strong for Rick. At the beginning, Rick can't do shit to him, and he immediately takes a powder, which is just great classic Ric Flair shit. Well, actually, to further your point, Eddie, this is actually classic Ric Flair versus a strong man beginning mm-hmm. of a match. Right. This is always how Flair would wrestle a big man, be it Hawk, be it Animal, be it Nikita Koloff. Any of those big strong guys, Ric Flair spent the first 10 minutes of the match 
taking a powder, taking a big move like a press slam or a hip mm-hmm. toss, something of this nature, and putting it over, putting over how strong the other guy was, and then he'd pull some heel heel shit, and he'd start to take over the match. This is vintage Ric Flair versus a big man match right here. And let me yeah. just say too, Nikita Koloff, if Dusty isn't the biggest face in the company, and it's not the Road Warriors, it's mm-hmm. definitely Nikita Koloff because they basically took Magnum's spot right. and handed it right to Nikita. Yeah. Like Magnum's injured, boom, Nikita's now sympathizing with us. Nikita's the new face. He was probably the best guy to go into the spot, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, just looking at the rest of the card, like there's nobody else even anywhere close to this that I can think of. Yes. The, yeah. In terms of like a Hail Mary, we need a quick decision. This was easily the best decision for the company to go in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, typical Ric Flair versus big man start. Right, he's getting his ass kicked. He takes yes. a, a Russian hammer and like a choke takedown. And yep. then eventually Nikita charges him and misses him, goes over the top ropes and he hurt, top rope and he hurts his knee. Right. And, um, and, that and that's another, usually how like, Flair's take full speed. And then Went right, over. and then we turn then we turn around because I was like, either Flair's gonna do something dirtier or he's gonna fuck up. He fucked up. Right. You know it's gonna go one of those ways, like you're saying. Yeah. And that's when Flair um, starts to take over. He waits for the other guy to make a mistake, and it's usually something like that, and then boom, Flair takes over the match. Right. And he does the leg into the post, he talks right. shit. Um, and then he does the um he gets him back in and puts on a figure four, and he's doing the top rope, you know, where you grab the top rope and lift yourself over the figure four, and the ref is totally facing him. The ref is like just in the worst possible position for that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. he could have been 90 degrees to Nikita. Fucking Tommy Young, dude. Come on, yeah, man. Instead, he's perpendicular. It's like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> Is this your um, first match? Come on. Yeah, and then he they, back outside the ring, he smashes Nikita into the scaffold, which I thought was cool. They saved that for the last match. Nobody ever came near that scaffold the whole rest of the night. Yes. Right, and that's... With that's, respect to the Road Warriors, I think. Well, like, right, right. Don't fucking go near that shit. Well, obviously, yeah, but like nobody... Yeah, right, nobody came anywhere near it. You saved that for the end of the show. You know, it's just yeah, like... you don't. but now that shit's the, done, we can use it. Mm-hmm, right. Um, and was Tommy Young hurt? Because he went down for a count at one point, and then when he got back up, he got up in a weird way, but then he kind of sat down on the mat, too, like Vince at, at uh, the Rumble. Oh, I didn't notice that. Maybe. Yeah, he was being kind of weird, and I don't know if that was just his style of refereeing. Where sometimes like he would do that sometimes okay so maybe that was just him you know i'm not very familiar with him so maybe that was him but he um, was mr ref bump like he was synonymous with if there's going to be a dusty finish of some type it's probably going to be tommy young in the ring well no no he didn't, take, he didn't take a bump but he just like after a while he was kind of like he'd go down for he'd go down to count a pan and he wouldn't get all the way back up on his feet for a minute well so sometimes he would do that yeah like he'd lay on his side and hold up a two something like he would do something like that no, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, the guys were back up. The pin's way over, and he's still still kind of sitting down. No, so I was that wondering if he hurt his leg or something. Tommy Young. He might have hurt himself. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Um, like, in a, not, not, a, not a planned spot, just maybe, like, tore, pulled something in a slide into the pin. You know but what? I would guess weird. he used a shitty man trimmer, and he probably <laughs> nicked his balls <laughs> earlier before the show. Right, And right. he was injured. You know, if, right. if Manscaped was around back then, he wouldn't have that problem. You're probably right. You're probably right. Um, Nikita starts biting Flair, and he shoots him into the scaffold. He's like a Hogan baby face. Yeah, I was going to say the face, right? <laughs> yeah, and the, but the crowd loves it. Yeah. Um, he hits Flair with a shoulder tackle. Flair goes straight down, and he's nowhere near the ref, and the ref flies out of the ring. 
dude. Bad, like that was just bad, bad ref I, bump. Yeah, that was a. I don't know who was out of position. To me, it looked like Flair actually might have forgotten what he was supposed to do or something. Yes, because he kind of fell. He should have like just shot himself straight back. Yeah, right. And I was like, "What's with this ref, man?" He. I wonder if he was in the back drinking with Gordon Sully. <laughs> or, look, or he was supposed to move all together, and Nikita was supposed to hit Tommy Young with the shoulder block. Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. But yeah, it, um, it looked really fucked up, dude. Bad yeah. ref bump. So the Scarlet ref comes in. Um, he takes a clothesline from Nikita. Thanks, Scrappy. Um, and Diet the original, um, yes. he takes a clothesline. The, uh, Tommy Young gets back up, and Nikita's strangling Flair in the corner. <laughs> yeah, and he ends up backhanding. The yeah, the face, the face. Yeah, he's, I'm going to choke him to death. <laughs> and he ends up backhanding Tommy Young. Um, I think kind of inadvertently, and that was it. DQ finish. He loses by DQ, which was kind of a good way to keep both guys looking strong. Like Flair definitely sold his ass off for him. But no, but, both guys got DQ'd. Well, no, it was, I'm sorry, it was a double DQ. Um, yeah, because then the heels started to rush the ring. Right, the heels rushed the ring, and yeah, everybody comes out there. Dundee and Jimmy Garvin are in their jeans with no shirt. Yeah, um, yeah. They look like Dundee, Judas Priest. Dundee, come on, put a shirt on, dude. Yeah, they look like Judas Priest in the Hot Rockin' video. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I mean, clearly this is not the, the end of this feud. You know, they're obvious, there's obviously going to be a rematch with these two. Yeah, but like you said, it kept both guys looking strong, mm-hmm. and they've booked another three months to six months of house shows yeah. that can be headlined by Flair versus Nikita. The undercard is Rock and Roll Express versus the Andersons, mm-hmm. and Dusty versus Tully because of the dirty finish in that. Yeah, this was this didn't seem like a feud closing show, like most WrestleManias are. They right. seem to really want to build that next batch of houses leading to the Great American Bash 87. Totally, totally. Or even the Crockett Cup 87. Yeah. Right, yeah, definitely nothing's... Very few things are settled here. Yeah, very little's resolved, except that Paul Jones is now bald. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they go into a highlight video to close the show, which immediately shows the fans looking bored. So I have no <laughs> idea who edited this. They cut to, like, just fans that are probably, like in the other arena or before the show starts. It was just a bad, really bad editing job. <laughs> they, they show the national anthem and the dude resting his hand on his fucking belly. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Bored as fuck. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, it was an awful, awful fucking highlight video. Oh, so and, good. And at the end of it, cuts to an empty arena, which makes you think, wow, they piled out of their Fast, right? They got right the fuck. Because the video was like three minutes. Or they cut to the other arena, but why would you cut to the other arena? (laughs) Yeah, they were gone, dude. Yeah, like you could have just cut to maybe the logo of the company, and that would have been better. But no, that's what they did. (laughs) They showed empty stands, like they fucking released the hounds. Those fucking fans got right out of dodge, dude. Um, so overall, I thought it was a really good show. This is the best WCW show we've reviewed. So I good, think. dude. I so liked good. it a lot. It was really cool. Um, a few too many gimmicks and a few too many brawls after the match. And there was sure, too much Manny totally. Fernandez. Um, <laughs> there were six six out of 12 matches had gimmicks. And eight out of 12 matches had some kind of post-match shenanigans. So and there was blood in a lot of them. And there was blood. Yeah, I didn't count that, but probably at least three, if not four. Easily, um, yeah. Best match, I thought, was the cage match. Agree. And I also really liked the Bubba match because Garvin lost. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> and that's that's my that's my uh, review of uh, Starcade 86. 
Great show. I loved it. My, uh, I just want to point out major disappointment. The nickname was Knight of the Skywalkers, yet I didn't see one Jedi. So what the <laughs> hell? Should have been Knight of the Gimmicks. Again, they they could have done that, yet they went this way. Yep. <laughs> Scaffolds <laughs> set up the entire show for one match. But that takes care of our show. Please let us know what you think of it on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, wrestling underscore drunk. Uh, tell your family, friends, heels, and faces to like, share, subscribe. And we'll see you all next time. Remember to check out manscaped.com and use that promo code drunk wrestling. Peace. Daughter, no more.